You are listening to Gateway Church's Sermon of the Week with Pastor Chris Monaghan. This week concludes our Revelation series. Thank you for joining us. We are officially landing this plane today, so we are closing out on the book of Revelation. So this is our final series. We are putting all the videos and notes online, so if you want to go back, um, they're actually available on YouTube currently, uh, but we'll have them all set up, notes on our Teachable app that will be available for you to go back, because I know you all have figured out all of the book of Revelation, right? You understand it now? The book of Revelation is the only book that promises you a blessing when you read it. It's a book that means apocalypto, which means the unveiling of Jesus Christ. How many know Jesus better now? You feel like I know Jesus better because I've studied the last book of the Bible. It is 22 chapters, the same number of letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And the, the number 22 is a very powerful number. And as we land it today, uh, we're going to just take a few moments. I want to read a verse, and then I have a special guest to come up today. And uh, she is going to share a encounter that she had about heaven and about her, just an encounter that she had with Jesus, just to help you see, because today when we close this thing, it's so important that we do not have anxiety about our future. It's good. Like we had a tragedy in uh, our extended family where uh, someone was killed in a car accident, but to know where that person is right now because of their relationship with Christ is so powerful and so amazing that we can rejoice no matter what we face. So we should, the goal of Revelation is that we have zero anxiety about what's, what tomorrow may hold. And so would you just take a moment and give a round of applause as Joni come on up, comes up. She's like, oh, don't give me applause. Come on. Uh, but so Joni is uh, head of the Crossroads Recovery Center, and she is going to be sharing about an encounter that she had, and Debbie's going to share a word for her. Yes. I got to pray over you, but I want to speak this scripture over you. In Mark 1.10, it says, just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open, and the Spirit descended on him like a dove. And Father God, I just thank you for your spirit that has descended upon Jody. Father God, that she is a carrier of your Holy Spirit. Lord, that you have blessed her and you have tore open the heavens. And Lord, that you have given her a glimpse. And Lord, as she shares what you've shown her, Lord, that your glory would fall in this place. That it would flow through her with no restrictions and no restraints. Lord, I thank you for your peace over her. And I thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit electrifying not only her, but that everyone in the room, Lord, would see heaven in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hello. Good morning. <laughs> I'm very excited to share this today. So this vision, I saw this um, right around the same time ago that I got sober, because after I had this vision, um, I've never wanted to use drugs since then, and I was a lifetime drug addict. 
um, but I, I've really only shared it with close family and friends up to this point, and I'm really excited to be able to share um, this with you because it's a very special thing for me. So um, <clears throat> when I had this vision, I was saved. I, uh, I believed in Jesus, but I didn't know Jesus, and there's a difference. Um, so I had had my salvation experience, and um, I felt led to seek to seek him. I don't really know why other than it came from the spirit of God. And the word of God says that if you seek me, you will find me if you seek me with all of your heart. And so that's really what happened as I began to fast and I began to pray. And um, I really had no idea what I was doing. But after about five days, um, I had this vision. And so I'm just going to share it with you. So um, I was laying down when I had the vision. I was not asleep. Um, I was just laying there. And I began to see, with my eyes open, I began to see like stars flying past me, like in those old screensaver <laughs> things on the computer. I began to see stars flying past me. So like I was flying through the, the night sky. And in front of me, um, I saw a door up here. And I just felt like um, I was supposed to walk through that door in my mind. So I walked through the door, and the door opened. And so at the time, I didn't know these were scriptures. But after I read the Bible, after I had this vision, I realized that a lot of the things that I saw were actually in the Bible. So um, John 10, 9 says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. And shall go in and out and find pasture. So when I walked through the door, I saw the cross. And I saw Jesus on the cross. And um, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. Revelations 3.20. So as I, went, I, I, as I went through the door and I saw the cross, I heard the audible voice of God for the very first time in my life. So I didn't share this vision for a long time because I thought people would think I was strange. Um, <laughs> that was part of, my, part of my hiccup with it is I can't tell people like I'm actually talking to God now and I hear him and he hears me. But I actually heard the audible voice of my Savior. And I will tell you that I have never been the same since I heard his voice. Um, some say it's like the voice of many waters. Some say it's a still, small voice. Um, I would say that it was strong, and it felt like love, and it permeated me to the very core of my being so that I didn't just hear it with my ears, but I experienced it um, with everything that I am, experienced his voice. I often think of the song that says, In the Garden, I know it's an old hymn, you're probably familiar, and it says, um, his voice was so sweet, the birds hushed their singing. Um, that is the closest thing that I've really ever come to being able to describe it, that it was that sweet, and I realized that I wanted to hear that voice more than anything. So he said to me, Joni, listen to my voice. And I was so excited 
<laughs> that all I could say was, say my name again. <laughs> so he said it again. He said, Joni, listen to my voice. And I said it again. <laughs> say my name again. Um, because I loved it so much. And he said it a third time. And I saw Jesus out in front of me, walking. And as I began to listen, I calmed myself down. I was very excited. You guys have to understand that I'm seeing all this. I've never had a vision before. I've never heard God's voice. So I was very excited. My mind would begin to race. Um, but once I calmed down and I began to listen for his voice, um, I began to walk in the spirit. And Jesus was walking ahead of me. Um, and um, I want to read the scripture to you. It says, after these things, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, come up here and I will show you things which must take place after this. Revelation 4.1. Um, the other scripture that I love so much is um, out of um, Isaiah 43. He says, um, hear, O Israel, he says, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name, and thou art mine. Um, and that, that scripture really spoke to my heart after I read it. Um, so I began to follow Jesus, and he was walking out ahead of me, and I saw, like, as I w if I started to think too quickly or not listening enough, um, I would slow down or stop walking altogether. And Jesus was not stopping. Like, he kept on going. And I felt such an urgency. Like, like this mattered a lot. Like, I could not let him get too far ahead of me. I did not want to lose sight of him um, because I felt like I was going to lose everything if I lost sight of him. And so it was I just not a really a fear, but just an urgency that I really, this was important. And so a couple of times... So Jesus was up ahead of me, and um, I wasn't listening well enough, and so I would stop walking. And a couple of times, he, like, stopped and turned about halfway and was like, hey, you coming? <laughs> he didn't say that, but he just kind of turned and waited for me. And then I started following him again. And uh, at first, I didn't see anything on the sides of us, so it was just me and Jesus. And we started walking up a hill. And so I could tell like he was higher up than I was. And so we were kind of climbing this hill. And then I started to see things in my peripheral vision. Now, mind you, I could not take my eyes off of Jesus because he was my center focal point. And if I tried to look at what was going on on the sides, um, I would lose focus of him and the whole entire vision would begin to fade. So I couldn't look to my right or to my left. Um, so as I was looking at him, I started to see, um, like, uh, biblical times, Jerusalem kind of scenes on the right and the left. And this part I don't understand, but I'm just going to obey God and share it with you guys. I also saw a horse. Um, the horse was kind of walking in front um, between me and Jesus. Not the whole time, but for part of it. I still have no idea what that horse means. Um, but he was there, and I love horses, so okay, Lord. <laughs> um, so we were, we were walking, and so we were going, like, through the streets of Jerusalem. And, um, and I started to have, like, these 
revelations of different things. So my thoughts at this time, you guys, I was not sanctified. We'll put it that way. <laughs> um, I was not there yet. Jesus had not done his, done his thing in me. And so my thoughts were very unholy a lot of the time. So I would think things, I would think cuss words and, you know, just think word thoughts I shouldn't be thinking. And I had this revelation that Jesus was right in front of me and he could hear every single thought that went through my mind. I was almost like I was saying it out loud to him. And I can tell you, I felt, number one, I felt super exposed, like it was uncomfortable for me. And I had, for the very first time in my life, I just, like, I was like, I can't think like this. And so I would think something, and then I would be like, oh, I'm sorry for saying that. And then it was, it was kind of wild, but um, I was just like, God, help me to think your thoughts. And, um, and I can say that God really has changed the way that I think. Um, but that was like that moment where it became real to me. Um, so, hold on just a second. Praise God. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> so as I was following Jesus, um, kind of the next thing that I saw, there were like these tall stone walls and like arches and then those big urns, like the vases that they had back in biblical times. I don't know what they're called. Um, so I started seeing that I was in like, I don't know if it was a gate or, um, a like, I don't know if it was a building, what it was, but it was a big structure. And then the next thing that I saw, um, so stay with me, guys. I'm in biblical Jerusalem, and there's a helicopter. <laughs> there's a helicopter that comes down, and it lands in front of me, and I get on the helicopter, and... I go for a ride, and I could no longer see Jesus out in front of me, but um, I sensed that he was with me, and so uh, we went for a ride, and I saw this huge pillar of cloud, and I saw a waterfall that flowed off of the side of this pillar, and, um, and it flowed down, and it looked like it never ended, and I remember all I could say was, like, awesome, like these things I were seeing was so awesome. And then we flew into the cloud and there was thunder and there was lightning. And then there was like a landscape out in front of us and um, there were mansions all over the landscape. Like so many that you couldn't count. Um, just like in the scripture where it says, in my father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I, I wouldn't have told you. And I go there and I prepare a place for you. Um, and so I saw these mansions and we flew around for a while and then I jumped out of the helicopter and I had a parachute and so I floated down to the ground and um, I went into like this cliff wall that had houses built into the side of this huge cliff and I felt like that this was my place. So I went in there and it was just a little door and um, there were things in there that were just for me, really, there were more, like my memories, and everything was lit by the love and the glory of God. So if things began to dim, then we needed more of God's love. And so if I would just focus on loving Christ, then things would get brighter and brighter and brighter. And it talks about that in the book of Revelation. 
Um, it says that, um, I don't know where that scripture's at, but it says the city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The lamb is its light, Revelation 21, 23 and there shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever, 22.5. So in this place, there were other people there, and I sensed that, but like, we were all connected. Like, I was an individual, but I really wasn't, because I was so connected to every person that was there. It was like we were all one. We were all one, just one. Um, and I don't really know how to describe what that felt like. Um, and then the other thing was is that like we all knew and recognized that Jesus was Lord. Um, and that he was, like, it was his city. It was all for him, from him, through him, and to him. Like, it was all for Jesus. And we were just there, like... Um, I don't know if the word, like, communing together. Um, and I love that part because no, nobody would ever, like, do anything to harm another person because they would realize they would be doing it to themselves um, is kind of how it felt. Um, and so after this, I, I know this sounds crazy. I'm having this amazing vision, um, but I was tired from focusing my mind so much to listen. And so... Um, I, I had, in the vision, there was a baby there with me, and I think that that was probably one of my children that I had lost to miscarriage, um, but it was in my arms, and I, I dozed off to sleep, <laughs> and so when I woke up, um, I was, as soon as I regained consciousness and opened my eyes, um, I was face to face with the Lord. And um, the Bible says his eyes are like flames of fire and his hair is like wool. And um, that's what I saw. That's what I saw. Um, I didn't see, like, um, I, don't, I don't really know, like, what the difference between seeing the Father and seeing Jesus is. I think it's the same thing. I think I saw one and I saw them both. Um, but there, he had white hair. And um, his eyes were passionately looking at me. And out of him, um, I didn't know what it was at the time, but there was this thing that was running out of him. Like out of his, we were like this, and it was running out of him, and it was flowing into me. And I had no clue then what it was. Now I know that it was the river of life that was flowing from the throne of God, and it was flowing into me. And... Um, Oh, <laughs> and the scripture, um, so he was made of light, um, so, like, he just shone with glory, so, like, the background was dark, but he was made of light, and it says, they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads, Revelation 22, 4. Um, and then it says, he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and the Lamb, Revelation 22, 1. 
And I, I didn't hear this audibly, but the thought that just kept running through my mind as I was seeing this was, I am the God of Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And um, so after I had that vision, I can just tell you that the entire course of my destiny and my life changed. Um, so... From that moment, um, I was saved before, but I began to follow Jesus, like step by step. And I knew I had that sense of urgency, like just like I was following him in the spirit realm, I now needed to walk it out in the natural. Um, and so I got up out of the place that I was living in and I left. <laughs> I, turned my, I just walked away. I had nowhere to go and I didn't even care. I was just going to follow Jesus. And I've never ever regretted it one single time. He has led me, just like in this vision, he was my shepherd, and he has led me to green pastures and beside still waters, and he has been my shepherd this entire time. It says that his sheep know his voice, and so I've been trying my best every day since to follow his voice, and I just, can I pray real quick? So, Father, I just want to release that right now over this entire church body. Lord God, that we wouldn't just know you as Savior, but God, we would know you as our shepherd and that we would follow you. And I pray, God, that we would hear your voice, God, in its many varied forms, God, that we would hear that voice and we would obey that voice. And Jesus, that we would follow you. God, I pray right now that you would open heaven and release more visions, more dreams. God, to everyone here, God, that they would be able to encounter you and experience you. And Father, I just bless them with an impartation of heaven that I saw. God, I can't wait to go back. And I believe I'm still there, seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And so, Lord, every time I get discouraged, Lord, I pray that we would remember where we are at in the spirit realm, that we are with our Lord and Savior, that he's not far away, that he's right there with us. And God, I thank you for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. The river is flowing. Revelations 22.1 describes that river that's flowing. How many are grateful that the Lord gave that vision to Joni to share with us today? This is something that we can hold on to. And it's so beautiful that it flows exactly with what we see in this book. Revelations 21, the angel showed me the river of water of life. Bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And oftentimes... His spirit represents that river that's flowing out of him into us to change us, to transform us. We need to be hungry for the spirit of God. We need to be hungry for that power, that cleansing power that's flowing out of that river of God, the father and his son, Jesus Christ. It's the, the throne of God and the lamb. God, the father, the source of all power and authority, Jesus, his precious son, whom we worship the sacrificial lamb that invites us through his sacrifice into that relationship. How many are grateful for his spirit that we encounter, that rushes from him to us? 
I love what it says as we read this and describes. It says that through the middle of this street, and remember, we're at the end of the book of Revelation. Through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding fruit each month. The leaves of this tree were for the healing of the nations. And this is a picture of the healing that God is going to bring to each and every one of us. And I love that it's through the leaves. You know, how many know that the, the medicine of leaves, crushed leaves, is not alternative medicine. It's the actual medicine. Pharmaceutical drugs are not the true medicine. They're the alternative medicine. The crushed leaves is what we see. There's healing in the leaves. Everybody say healing in the leaves. There's healing that comes. And for us, we have to remember that there's a river flowing from this throne that God wants to impart to us. I, a few times that the Lord has spoken to me, and, and one time I heard his voice. He said, tell my people that I'm not just a God of power, but I'm a God of empowerment. You understand that? He wants to empower you by his spirit. Do you understand what that means? This is why I believe that we have such a picture of the father and the son. We have a picture of the, the, the revelations ends with the throne of God and the lamb. And the last, and the, the, the last thing spoken is that if you fill in your worksheet, we talk about rivers flowing. But the second thing is that there is a curse that's broken. At the, there's a curse that's on so many people today, and it's called the curse of fatherlessness. And this is the greatest disaster in our, in our land right now. It's not racism, even though there is racism in the world. It's the curse of fatherlessness, the lack of fathers. And what God wants to restore to us, the reason God himself reveals himself as father is because he wants us to have our greatest need fulfilled. When we have a father, we are guided, we are directed. When a father speaks into a child, the father imparts to them into their destiny. A mother comforts the child, but the father, the father sends them forth. You watch how a mother holds a baby. A mother holds the baby tight looking inside. But when a father gets the baby, the father turns the baby around and says, look at the world. Take the world. You can do it. This is why we need the Father's voice. And the very end of the book restores this blessing to us. See, many of you believe I'm cursed. There's a demon and I believe in demons. I, trust me, I don't believe there's a demon behind every bush, just every other bush. But I do believe the greatest need for us is that many of us are under a curse of fatherlessness. We don't see God as a father who believes in us, who's confident in us. And when we recognize that and receive that, we get empowered by his spirit. You see, the end of the book, Revelations 22, 3 says, no longer will there be anything accursed. There'll be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the lamb will be in it and his servants will worship him. The last chapter of the book of the New Testament talks about this curse. And then in the book of Malachi, it talks about a curse in Malachi 4, 6. And this is the last book of the Old Testament. And it says, 
that and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a curse of utter destruction or a decree of utter destruction. The greatest thing that we can do is release the father's blessing over people, that they are known, that they are loved, that the father's voice speaks in the New Testament to his son, Jesus. This is why I believe that we need to see a father and see his son. Because we see the Father's love interacting with the Son, His Son, Jesus Christ. The only thing you hear the Father say in the New Testament is, This is my Son who I love. With you I'm well pleased. This is what the greatest need that you and I need to have is to walk our lives knowing that we have a Father in Heaven who loves us. He's for us. It's not based on our good works or our good looks. It's based on what He has done for us. And that curse is broken. The Old Testament ends with the curse of fatherlessness, but the New Testament ends with no more curse. It's broken. That's what we can say. It is broken at the end of Revelation. We don't have to live wondering, does the Father love me? Is the Father for me? No, He is for you. He believes in you, and He's going to give you the empowerment you need to fulfill your destiny, but you can't do it without his blessing. The very first thing God did to Adam and Eve is he blessed them. He said, be fruitful and multiply. The first thing you and I need to receive is that blessing of the father. Too often times we feel like I've got to work for this to get his blessing. This is our culture. Our culture trains us. We go through high school, we succeed, we accomplish, and then we receive something good, a, you know, a car or a computer or something. But in ancient Jewish culture, at the age of 12, 13, they had this thing called the bar mitzvah or the bat mitzvah. And what every Jewish child receives at that time is a celebration about the size of a wedding. And they bring this child up and the father looks at his daughter, looks at his son in front of this big celebration and party and said, this is my son, my daughter, who I love. With you, I'm well pleased. Let's celebrate her today. Let's celebrate him today. Imagine what would have happened to you and me if we received that when we were 12 or 13 from our mother or father. Imagine the difference it would have made in our lives to know that daddy's behind me. Daddy loves me. Daddy will provide for me. You understand, we may have not received that from our own father, but we have a heavenly father that wants to empower us with that same very truth today. And we can step into that next place that God has for us. How many are grateful that in heaven, the river is flowing and the curse is broken. The river is flowing and the curse is broken. The river is flowing and get excited about now. The curse is broken. All right, you're good. Here we go. Number three is that words are unsealed. There are things that God is unsealing right now. What Joni received was a gift for her and for all of us to peek into heaven. And many people have had those encounters. They've received these encounters so that we understand what heaven will be like. Understand what wherever Jesus is, that is heaven, my friend. And heaven is not some place that's in the distance. It's the Bible says that the kingdom of God is at hand. It's, it's in a realm that's close. It's not, it's a Greek mentality to think that heaven is like way up in the sky. You know, the ancient Greeks believed that when we die, we become a star. 
and we just shine down and look at all the events on the earth. That'd be pretty depressing, wouldn't it? That's not what heaven is. Heaven is not some distant place, but heaven's within a realm that we can just step into at any time. And there's doors that are opening for that in this season. How many want an encounter with God that will take, you will step through that door. I have this really annoying door at my house. It's one of those doors where you, you close it and you think you close it and then you walk away and it goes, it just, it just always wants to stay open. Then you got to walk. Does anybody have one of those doors at their house? It just, and I felt like the Lord said, that's the season that we're in right now. The doors you think are closed are, and he wants you to walk through those doors. And begin to position yourself for an encounter with God. I know we do declarations and prayers, but take time to say, okay, Lord, I want to position myself to a heavenly encounter this morning. I want to position myself. Sometimes we're not quiet enough or we're not silent enough or we're not pressing into it. But God wants to call us through that door in this season. We need it in this season. The words are unsealed. The angel tells John, and he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. Revelations 22, 6. The Lord, the God of spirits of the prophets, he has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of the book. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book for the time is near. Let's read that together. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book for the time is near. He wants you to shout it out. He wants you to sing out what you've read in the book of Revelation. You know, in the book of Daniel, the angel told Daniel in Daniel 12, 4, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge increase. But this angel is telling Daniel, shut the book up. Can't tell anybody. But what is he telling John? Open your mouth. Begin to declare the words of this book. Come on. Isn't that great? We get to declare this and speak this. And we need to be doing that in this season. Is sharing what is happening in our lives, our encounters with the Lord. God is going to do a great work. He's doing a great work. Revelations. He says, let the evildoers still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. You know, this is the season that evil people will continue to do evil, but we as the righteous need to continue to do righteous. I think sometimes as the church, we get focused so much on what evil people are doing, and sometimes we just need to say, they're going to do evil, but I'm going to do right. I'm not going to focus on what they're doing. I'm going to focus on doing my part in this season. Because I think sometimes we focus so much praying for the, the most wicked people in the world when we just need to say they're going to do evil and they're hell-bent. I'm praying for their swift destruction, God, but I'm pursuing you and the people that can still be ministered to and reached. I'm standing for my generation and for my children's future right now. Let's continue to press forward. Jesus is coming soon. Amen. He says, behold, I am coming soon and I'm bringing my recompense with me to repay everyone for what he has done. How many know 
that when Jesus replied to the servant, he said, well thought. No, he said, well done, good and faithful servant. Like we need to be doing something. We need to be accomplishing what God has called us to do. And the greatest plan of the enemy right now, I, I tell people, 99% of spiritual warfare is to get you off your assignment. What is your assignment? Do it. So you can, he can say, well done, because he's bringing back his rewards. And he'll reward those for evil, and he'll reward those for righteousness. And you have a reward coming. He will reward your work. Don't get discouraged. He's coming soon to reward those who are faithful to him. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. The last thing I want to say is we close and land this book of Revelation series. This has been a 13-week series. Has it been? I think it's 12, 13 weeks. Come on, let's give it up for your pastor right there, right there. Wow. The scariest thing about teaching this is you never have like ultimate conclusions. You never feel like you're touching bottom when you're teaching the book of Revelation. And I encourage you to listen to other teachers, listen to what other people say and make conclusions for yourself. But Revelations ends with this. He says, for the thirsty to come, for the thirsty to come. You know, there's a difference between hunger and thirst. We are called to be thirsty for God. And I believe a thirst represents for the spirit. A hunger represents for the word. But how many know God wants us to be a thirsty church? Hungry for the supernatural. Hungry for the spiritual gifts. Hungry for a move of the spirit. Amen? He wants us thirsty. We're charismatic here, if you didn't know that. We love to be thirsty for God. And we want thirsty people to come. He says this, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Remember, this is an invitation to the thirsty. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. You understand, we're coming to this water and we can't pay for it. We have to receive the one who already paid for it. His name is Jesus, the Lamb of God, who offers the water of life to us freely. We never earned it. None of us has earned it. That's why we all come to Jesus on the same level playing field. It's called the cross. That's where we come to Jesus, you and I. And then we come thirsty and hungry together. Not because of the righteousness that we've attained, but it's the righteousness that Christ, the Lamb of God, has attained for us. That we receive so that we can drink of this river of the water of life. Revelation is the only book that promises you and I a blessing when we read it. It says, do not add to it or do not take away from it. It reminds us how powerful these words are that we read. And he says in Revelations 22, 19. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are deemed in this book. And he says, he who testifies these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. 
and we close with this declaration about the grace of God. The grace of God. And can I tell you that there's a big debate out there what grace is. A lot of churches teach that it's the unmerited favor of God. I think most of the church walks with their head down and think, well, I've just received favor. It's unmerited. I didn't deserve it. That's partially true what grace is. But true grace in the Bible is divine enablement. God has given you grace. When he says the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, he's given you the divine enablement to accomplish what he's called you to do on this planet until he returns. You understand? We talked about this last week about the bride. We talked about the bridal price that was paid and how Jesus was sent here by the Father and he paid the price. You know what the price was that he paid for his bride? That was his death. He gave his life up for you and me. He died on that cross to say, this is the price I'll pay for you. And then we don't see him again. But like we said, the wedding feast is still yet to come. He's coming soon. And you and I are this beautiful bride waiting for him to return. Understanding her value. Understanding, understanding her great worth. And today, as we read the last verse of this, I want to read this together. Revelations 22, 21. Let's read this together. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all of you. Amen. As we close, I want to just take a moment. As I've been studying and reading a lot about uh, World War II at this time. One of the greatest dangers. I don't know if we have a pad we can put on as we close here. One of the greatest dangers that you and I face is we're fighting a battle and the battle that we're fighting right now is we're fighting on three different fronts. And as we, as I've been studying wars and one of the greatest dangers that Germany was facing and many nations were facing, they never wanted to face a battle on two different fronts. They didn't want one nation attacking them from the East and one nation attacking them from the West. And so they did everything they could. We'll never fight a battle again where we have to fight on the West and we have to fight on the East because we're guaranteed to lose. And as I was studying that, the Lord said, tell my people they're fighting a two-tier battle, actually a three-tier battle, and they're going to lose. We have to realize that our past is one battle. And until we allow Jesus to conquer sin in our past, conquer every wrong thing we've ever done in our past, that we're no longer living in shame of what we've done, but we fully accept what Jesus did on the cross for us to completely forgive us and completely deliver us, that we're not punishing ourselves, we're not saying, well, I'm sick because of my smoking habit, or I'm sick because of this, or I'm sick because of that. God's punishing me because of my past. He doesn't do that anymore. The punishment that brought you peace was upon Jesus. He took it all. That front, that's one front. 
Have you received Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life and fully received forgiveness for every wrong thing you've ever done? Once you've accepted that, that battle is done. That battle is complete. We no longer have to fight that battle. Can I tell you that you don't have resources to fight that battle? If you're living in guilt of something that you've repented of, you are taking back your sins from Jesus and that's called stealing and that's a sin. When Jesus came to take your trash, he meant it. He took it all. He took all your trash. Hallelujah. Don't fight that battle anymore. That's his. That's done. That war is over. But there's another front. It's called the future. And that's what this book of Revelation will show us. That we don't have to fight anxiety. We don't have to fight the future battle of worry any longer. This battle has been completed and won. We've read the book. We know how it ends. We've got to hear testimony of people who've seen it. Confirming what will happen in the future. It's his promise to us. It's my hope and prayer that through the book of Revelation today, we leave this place with this battle on this front completely won and victorious. I know where my future is. You can't take, you take my life. You put me in a better place. I'm not worried anymore. That front is taken care of. I'm not fighting on this front anymore or this front. I will be victorious. But there is one front. You see, we can fight a battle on one front. Amen. And that's for today. That's for the present. I'm not telling you, you won't have to fight. As your pastor, I'm telling you, you will have to fight. But we no longer waste our resources on this front or that front. They're taken care of. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Today, we choose to get into the fight. But the only thing I'm fighting is what's right in front of me. I don't worry about tomorrow. I fight. I stand. I put all my resources into my present. Not worried about the past. Not worried about the future. Would you stand with me this morning? Would you give God a praise offering this morning? Matthew 6, 34 says, Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. How many are ready to let tomorrow be anxious for itself? Amen. <laughs> Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And I feel like that's what the Lord is speaking to us. You have everything you need for the battle you need. You have everything you need for life and godliness for, day, for today. So let's pray. Let me pray for you. Just invite you to stretch your hands out this morning. Father, I thank you for this people. God, I thank you that today we receive forgiveness for our past. Forgive us. For holding on to our sins and not fully releasing those on the cross. Forgive us for living in shame. And this morning, God, we choose to let go. Let go of our past. This morning, we receive your forgiveness. And Lord, thank you for the book of Revelation. We choose today to not worry or be anxious about tomorrow. We thank you that you've got it. As someone once said, 
that we can trust an unknown future to a known God. And this morning, we thank you that we know our God. We know his son, Jesus. And Father, I thank you today for the gifts of the Spirit. I thank you for your Holy Spirit that flows from you in the name of Jesus. Thank you that you give your spirit without limits. And God, I thank you today that you release your Holy Spirit to us today for the power of the present, for the now. And I bless this people right now today with your spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill me, Holy Spirit, right now. In the name of Jesus. Come on, just pray that prayer. Say, fill me, Jesus, with your Holy Spirit. Come on. I thank you, Father, for that today. In the name of Jesus. Come on, just lean in. Lean in for this next 30 seconds. Just lean in. Lean into his spirit. Lean into Jesus this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Move in this place, Lord. If you need prayer today, I'm going to invite our prayer team, some of our elders and pastors, if you would come up. We want to lay hands on you. We want to pray for you. But as we close, just put your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you and just begin to release the goodness of God over them. Release. Say, release the Holy Spirit over them today in the name of Jesus. Those of you who need prayer, I believe there's some of you who need healing in your body today. God wants to, he wants to do a work in you today. If you need prayer, just come on up to the front. We want to pray over you. We want to bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Let's give God a praise offering this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness, God. We love you. We bless you, God, today in the name of Jesus. Come on, give somebody a high five. Thank you guys so much for being with us today. If you need prayer, let, let our team pray for you this morning. God bless. that we have here and I want you to carry with you is that you are like a city that is surrounded by walls and gates. And as with the gates of ancient Jerusalem, each one has a specific function and a spiritual purpose meant for the well-being of the city of God. Same way with your life. Every gate that you are possessing in your life means that you are making wise decisions. You're forbidding certain things to come into your life and you're also, uh, you're, you're sending the bad out and you're inviting the good in. Uh, so in, in what we will do in this course is we'll actually be inviting the blessing of God on our life, but we'll also be forbidding the spirit of mammon to come into our life. We'll be inviting healing, the healing power of Jesus into our life, but we'll be forbidding the spirit of infirmity. And every day you go through this exercise of inviting the good things in and forbidding the evil things from coming into your life. And I guarantee you of so many testimonies that I've had where people say, once I, once I begin to, to do these declarations that are found and um, preserved for us in the book of Nehemiah, they say it, it, there's something that goes on in their life that strengthens them and that blesses them. But the gates of Jerusalem mentioned in the book of Nehemiah are types of spiritual gateways that can be applied to your personal life. So you want to picture yourself as a Nehemiah in this course, that you're a gatekeeper. You're someone that, like Nehemiah, had the gates restored, the walls built up, 
and you have seen the ruin and the devastation that has happened in your life because you have not had those gates uh, possessed and you've not had those walls built up in your life. And it's the same, it's the story of the book of Nehemiah that we'll go through. But you are a gatekeeper. Come on, say that. I am a gatekeeper. I am a gatekeeper. You have to see yourself as someone that will possess the gates, that will build the walls. And how do you do that? In your own life, you do that through your personal declarations over your own life. And how do you do that uh, for others is you pray for others. You intercede for others. You stand in the gap for others. And this is one way that has helped uh, many people, including myself, have a consistent prayer life and an effective prayer life. And I've seen my, my level of authority uh, develop in a stronger way in every area of my life. There's a call of God. You have a call of God on your life. You have a dream and a purpose that God has put inside of you to fulfill. And this is one of the ways uh, through prayer and through declarations that we can uh, build our own lives up through the power of our spoken words and possessing the gates that God has given us to possess. So we are right now, the tour around Jerusalem begins at the Sheep Gate that is at the northwest corner, and it continues counterclockwise around the city of ancient Jerusalem until the inspection gate is reached. And you can see uh, there's a number at each gate. There's 10 gates, and we begin at the Sheep Gate, and we work our way around counterclockwise. And you'll see... Uh, begins with the sheep gate, then it goes to the fish gate, then to the old gate, then to the valley gate, then to the dung gate, then to the fountain gate or the eye gate, the same Hebrew word for uh, fountain, which is ayin, is the same word which means eye. So there's some very powerful things you'll see in here uh, as we get into some of the Hebrew as well. Uh, we'll go to the Then we'll go to the water gate. That's where the well of the city was located. Of course, they the, the people in Jerusalem would leave the city, get the water, bring it back into the city. The horse gate, the east gate, which represents uh, Jesus, King Messiah, where he will return through. And uh, then we finally end with the inspection gate. And these gates, again, gates were often named after a, a deity or after um, a purpose of the gate. So the dung gate, well, I think I skipped that one, but the valley gate and the dung gate, um, the dung gate represent the place where they would take their trash. So if you see the, the picture, it's the place where the fire was. That's where the fire will be burning in the city. We could call it the trash gate or the refuse gate, but it's, but in ancient times they called it the dung gate. And, uh, so there's different gates and they're, the gates were named after their function most oftentimes. So it's very simple, a very simple pattern. Um, but there's spiritual significance behind every gate. And this is the beauty of scripture that uh, as we will be studying in the book of Nehemiah, you and I will discover the, the hidden purposes that God has placed in these 10 gates. Wow, it is amazing. Again, every gate has a meaning and we'll go through that, that the sheep gate represents covenantal forgiveness. That I love how, you know, when Nehemiah begins, the first gate that's mentioned that is built is the sheep gate. And this is the place of blood sacrifice. Uh, it's a picture of the sheep or the lamb because Jesus is the fulfillment 
of the Lamb of God who was slain for the sins of the world, and his blood was shed in a similar way that the, the, the temple would uh, be receiving sheep from that gate. There's a picture that it's also the first gate, that it all begins with covenantal forgiveness. And uh, at the sheep gate is where you and I learn the power of forgiveness. And we pray for forgiveness at that day, gate. We forgive others at that gate. Uh, how many know it's important on a daily basis to go through and, and to forgive others as we have been forgiven? We'll talk about that at the sheep gate. The next gate is the gate of blessing, covenantal blessing. One of the most powerful gates uh, where uh, it's, it, it's called the fish gate, but fish represent blessing throughout the, the Hebraic scriptures and throughout the New Testament scriptures as well. We remember uh, Peter was blessed. How did he get blessed? How did he get his taxes paid for? Uh, he caught a fish. Fish represent blessing. So there's a lot of um, allegories and spiritual significance to every gate, but covenantal blessing. The third gate we'll talk about represents covenant healing, covenantal healing. It's called the old gate. We'll go through healing. The fourth gate is called the valley gate. You see the picture of the person kneeling. That's a picture of humility. I've seen uh, when we've taken people through this course, uh, tremendous healing happens when we go through. You will receive, I believe a lot of you will receive uh, healing, especially in your back when it comes to uh, learning the power of humility. We'll go, then we'll talk about the dung gate, which is the fifth gate, which uh, describes unclean habits and demonic powers, and maybe, you know, you don't understand or haven't been open to uh, learning about the power of demonic spirits. But in the book of Nehemiah, there's there's a gate that we will go through, and it helps us uh, understand that we have authority to drive out demons in our own lives and in others, other people's lives as well. And that's what happens at the dung gate. Um, gate number six is the fountain gate or the eye gate. We'll learn how to see in the spirit at that gate. And again, every day we're, we're, we're making declarations uh, that we are going to be able to see into the spirit. Uh, every day at this gate, you are going to be making declarations about all the gifts of the spirit, the, the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, healings, prophecy, working of miracles, spiritual discernment, speaking in tongues, interpretation in tongues. So every day, the, the gift of faith, every day you're declaring these gifts of the spirit over your life that I want, like, you know, people say, well, I don't believe that uh, the gifts of the spirit are for everyone. Well, you can believe that. I just happen to believe that they're for everyone. I happen to believe that I can have them all if I ask for them. Uh, you know, that's what a good father does. He gives gifts. So, why limit ourselves? Like who said we can't have all the gifts? So of course we move on next to the water gate and that describes the, the word of God, the importance of the word of God, the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. And uh, we'll learn about the power of God's word. I love the word of God. Um, at uh, gate number eight is, we, is the horse gate. It's where uh, we learn to trust, not in the things of this world, but we learn to trust in the Lord. You know, Bible says some may trust in horses, some may trust in chariots, but we will trust in the name of our God. And horses represent things that we're leaning on instead of leaning on the Lord. And this is a great opportunity every day and through this course to learn how the horse gate has a 
influenced our lives. Like I said, you can be great at all these gates, but if you, if you're not, if you have uh, an open gate and you're letting the wrong things in to your city or to your life, it can destroy the whole city. A thief only needs one open door to steal everything that you have. And that will not happen to you. I declare that over you right now. That is not what will happen. And this is one of the ways to learn how to pray effectively. The uh, number eight or number eight was worldly influence of the horse gate. Number nine is the East gate, which represents uh, our worship up to the Messiah, to the Lord Jesus Christ, the son of God. We worship him. He comes through the East gate. It's prophesied. We will um, look into that gate, study that gate. You'll be blown away on that. That is a, a, an amazing gate. And finally, uh, gate number 10 is the inspection gate. Uh, and this is the gate where we learn about fulfilling our destiny, that God has a destiny for you and I. But it begins, notice that we begin with the blood. We begin with forgiveness. That's, I love how there's this amazing picture in the book of Nehemiah that was written, you know, 2,500 years ago by, you know, Nehemiah. And in this story is a now story. It's a, this is a Kairos time for this story to come back into the forefront so that you and I can learn how to pray effectively, declare effectively, help uh, fulfill our destiny and help become everything that God has called us to be. And it's a guide that has been it's not been, I love it. It, it. Yes, it's been hidden, but it's been hidden right in front of us in the word of God. Praise God. And, and we can feel confident that it's from the Lord because it's in his word. So we're not pulling in some new, fresh revelation. This is revelation that's been in front of us this whole time that we're now beginning to see with spiritual eyes that this is something that has been left behind for us to help us grow and help us fulfill the call of God on our lives. What begins, the, the sh begins with the sheep gate, the blood, we are uh, go around the city and we end with fulfilling our destiny. And this is where each and every one of us want to, want to end up.